Please note, for maximum picture quality, it may be necessary to adjust the tracking control on your VCR. Yeah, sorry about that. Uh, anyway, uh, I can't believe I used to sing in a punk band back when I was a kid. Oh, God knows <laughs> what I was thinking. Anyway, but yeah, hello. Welcome to Adjust Your Tracking. We are a podcast where we're on adventure to watch a century of cinema. And we're going by decade by decade, year by year. And I am one of your hosts, Oliver Jones. And Liam is actually on assignment today doing, I don't know, in adult stuff, work stuff. So I have my very good friend... James Rayner to join me. And how you doing, James? I'm not too shabby, thank you. And yourself? Yeah, I'm alright, thanks. Thanks for stepping in. I do what I can. <laughs> and uh, just to let everyone know, today we're talking about Roland Emmerich's classic 1998 <laughs> film, Godzilla, starring Matthew Broderick and the guy from Simpsons. Isn't actually uh, a few half, people from... Yeah, there's like half the cast of The Simpsons in it. Yeah, I thought so. <laughs> <laughs> that film is fucking terrible. <laughs> no, we're talking about the 1954 uh, Isharo Honda directed Godzilla. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's the badger. But anyway, before we get into that, uh, what have you been up to? Uh, today I've completed my uh, ongoing X-Files marathon. I started uh, from the beginning um, back in January. And I've literally just finished last episode about two hours ago. So you've gone through all like 11 series in life. 11 seasons, uh, two movies, and uh, the Lone Gunman <laughs> spin-off, which I'd never in seen. two months, that's pretty impressive. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I've ever done it. Like, it's my favourite show for anyone who's oh. out there, but I don't think I've ever done a full rewatch since the videos. That, like, you know, they released the video box sets where there's about seven Yeah, they VHSs. took up half the shelf. Yeah, I literally had two <laughs> shelves just full of the fuckers. That was um, only like... Half a season. <laughs> yeah, so I um, that was the last time I did a rewatch of those. I watched them. Um, um, I was planning on rewatching the whole series because I only watched it up until about season four when it was live. Right. Um. So I planned to rewatch all of them by the time uh, the second movie came out. Uh, and then I got distracted, and that never happened. <laughs> um. But I finished it before the, it came out on DVD. Um. And that was the last time I watched any of them. Right. Um, I don't know why, but for some reason I just decided, fuck it, I'm going to watch all of the X-Files now. See, I, it's it's my go-to-sleep show, so it's like, what I, so I watch it a lot 
but I just mm. will randomly throw on episodes. So like last night I watched the episode where there's like a bank robbery and it's kind of like um, oh it's gr- Groundhog, Groundhog Day, Day. Yeah, keeps yeah. repeating. Yeah, that's a good one. Season six, I believe, which yeah. is a much maligned season. Well, is that the season that follows the movie? Yes. Yeah, because they kind of they've the burden of the uh, the uh, you know the the mythology the episodes mythology. Are, are kind yeah. of downplayed a little bit that season, I think. So, what was what's your overall thoughts then, like going through it? I like um, I I said this on Facebook the other day, but I don't think there's a general drop in quality. Most people seem to th- say after the movie, it just kind of nosedives, and season nine is absolute shite that is unredeemable but i'd say the classic to clunker ratio is remains pretty steady it's just the kind of <laughs> the chemistry changes after david Duchovny leaves so they bring in robert patrick as a partner for scully and i think that works because patrick I, well i i really like agent doggett i think he's yeah. a great character um was was rias meant to be like gillian anderson's replacement yeah i mean gillian anderson hung around till the end but in season nine, she's not really a main character. She's yeah. got top billing, but she just kind of hangs around to do autopsies or blood tests. <laughs> she rarely actually goes out in the field, apart from the mythology episodes, which are all about the baby. But yeah. that's really the only time she's the lead. But I think it generally works all the way through. How many episodes does Duchovny pop up in, like in eight and he does, nine? He does half of season eight. And oh, does he actually do half of it? Yeah, he's missing for the first half, and then he comes back. And he throws off the whole dynamic because there was the Scully and Doggett dynamic for the first yeah. half, which was really getting going. And then Mulder comes back and fucks it all up. <laughs> uh, and then he's only in like one one episode of season nine and a brief cameo in a reflection. God, yeah, that ending was a bit of a letdown, if I remember. Uh, it wasn't too bad, I thought. Um, it, it does spend an hour in a courtroom. And it's yeah, yeah even, I remember that. Like a particularly like interesting looking courtroom. It's literally just a bare walled room with two desks and some seats. Uh, and they try and lay out the mythology, and it just sounds yeah, increasingly stupid it. when you hear it all <laughs> described by characters. You're watching it happen, and you're like, okay, I can go along with this. But then they just talk about yes, and then they were, she got cancer, which was activated by a chip. But then another chip saved her, and then there were some super soldiers. And then... <laughs> the super soldier <laughs> bit kind of goes nowhere after a while. Yeah, it literally it? goes nowhere. I mean, they don't even bring it up in the revived series. What like, did you think just, of those? Yeah. Uh, again, I thought it was pretty solid. I mean, the mythology has completely shat the bed at that point. Yeah. Um, the mythology episodes are by far the weakest, but there's some good stuff in there. Um, yeah. There's the uh, We Are Lizard, We Are Monster episode, which is probably one of the all-time classics. And uh, I love the other episode that he wrote and directed. The, um, Mandela Effects. Mandela Effects, where they insert that guy into like yeah. old episodes and stuff. That was good. Um. One episode I was surprised by um, was uh, the drones, uh, artificial intelligence oh, episode. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's almost like a complete, it's like a silent film. There's about four lines of dialogue in it. And yeah, yeah it, I was surprised by that, especially that late in the run to have like a experimental episode like that. I mean, like, I'm just all anything David Duchovny on there. He's like my ultimate man crush. Like, he, honestly, like, I love David Duchovny. He's not the he, best actor in the world ever, but there's just something about that man that I adore. When he's into it, he, he can act, but he does get increasingly bored throughout the series. Yeah. 
Yeah. What do you think um, of uh, rewatching the second movie? I still like it. Yeah, I do. It looks it looks awesome, and the sound. Yeah, is I great. mean, I I really should get the Blu-ray because the the cinematography really does look amazing. There's um, a um, there's like a feature length making of documentary on it, and like they went to some ridiculous lengths to kind of throw people off the scent of what that film was about. Mm. Like there's a whole they had like they had effects crews like making whole werewolf suits for David Duchovny, so he, <laughs> like, like he became a werewolf in the film. Like to, the fact that that film is about like. A couple, the the one guy kind of just is trying to regenerate himself all the time, or something like that, mm, by using yeah. other people's limbs and stuff. It's like a, it's a very bizarre plot, but I liked well, it as a kind of like a. Uh, a I got excited a about of the week it. Episode, yeah. Like, yeah, it's basically a monster of the week feature length. But yeah. I got when I first saw it, uh, I was still listening to um, Smodcast uh, on a regular basis, um, yeah. Kevin Smith's podcast, and they'd just done an episode on like weird experiments and shit and that experiment the russians like grafting uh second heads onto animals it literally like i just heard about it like two weeks prior and now the x-files movie is right. about that I like, hey i knew about this before it happened yeah i think a lot of people were bemused though by like the whole uh billy connolly like priest pedophile who was, priest like, pedophile priest yeah, yeah. <laughs> all that kind of stuff yeah, it was an intriguing choice, but I can I can see the logic behind it, but I don't know if it was the right place for it. In <laughs> the uh, revival movie, ten years after the series ended, it would have worked in the series, but when you people have been yeah. waiting that long for the movie, it just yeah, and people were expecting aliens anyway, so that just put people off even more. It's got a really bizarre end shot as well, where they're like sailing off on the boat. boat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, is that in the theatrical version? Because the yeah, DVD I think so. Is, I don't know. And they the just wave at the, They wave, don't they? At the uh... yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Chris Carter makes a lot of questionable decisions. I've come to realise. He does. He does. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like you know, some of the some great writers came from that show, though. Mm. Vince Gilligan, who created um, mm. uh, Breaking Bad. Breaking like, Bad. He literally learned everything from. Uh, Chris Carter though. So if you wa- if you watch an episode of Breaking Bad, it's really it's structured very much like an X file episode. And he I think one of the episodes he did as well was the one with Brian Cranston where he like he has to go. Yeah, that's where he uh, he got the idea to cast him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um Yeah, paying it watching it this time I was paying attention to that kind of thing. I think I was just kind of crashing through it last time to try and get through to the end. Whereas this time I was paying attention to who the best writers were and how many times they've used that actor before. Mm. Um, and yeah, Vince Gilligan was always top of the pile when it came to the writers. And there's a couple where you could tell, like, oh, this is going to be a fucking slog to get through because it's written by this guy. It's a shame he couldn't come back for like one or two episodes in the revival. Well, I was reading about this earlier and um, apparently uh, Chris Carter and Frank Spotsnitz who is his uh, like co-showrunner, yeah, and yeah. they were basically in charge of the mythology for the most part. Um, they just apparently there's no animosity, but they're just not talking to each other anymore. Um, oh, so weird. They didn't ask him back for the revival, and Vince Gilligan wouldn't come back for the revival without Frank Spotnitz, apparently. Oh, okay. Yeah. Interesting. Hmm, I don't know. So it's intriguing. Uh, have you watched anything else? Any movies or anything like that? Um, not really. I bought bought a bunch of stuff, but I've I wanted to get to the end of the X Files before I started distracting myself. Uh, what have I bought? I got Mind Warp, yeah. which is uh, 
Bruce Campbell film, Fangoria Films' first movie. Okay. Um, what else? Ganja and Hess, which is a film I've just become aware of recently through uh, the George Romero Foundation. Um, they had a tribute to Dwayne Jones, who was the lead in Night of the Living Dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they were talking about this film as well, Ganja and Hess, which was made about five years later. And it's a... I mean, it's described as a black exploitation vampire film, but it looks to be a bit more sophisticated than your general. Right. Okay. Black exploit. It's not Blackula. Right. Okay. Uh, it looks to be a bit more. In fact, uh, Spike Lee remade it a few years ago. Um, really? Yeah. What was it called? Uh, the Blood of Jesus or something like that. Oh, okay. Interesting. Um, let's check this out. Yeah. Let me see if I can find this. Sweet Blood of Jesus. Okay. Oh. Yeah, apparently that's, it's a remake of Ganja and Hess. Uh, they had a sale on at the um, at network distributing, so I got uh, The Last Seduction, which I haven't seen right, yeah, in about yeah. 25 years, uh, To Die For, which, again, I haven't seen in about 25 years. That's such a great film, that is. Yeah, I've got the score. I listen to it all the time. Um, Danny Elfman. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Deathline, which is also known as Raw Meat. Have you have you heard the new Danny Elfman track? Uh, yes. Because uh, he's released four, I think, now, hasn't he? Yeah, this is the fourth one. Uh, none of them have really stood up to the first one. Yeah, Happy's great. Like, the Happy yeah. is brilliant. And like, Have you seen the video, though, for the new one? Like, he's like... Yeah, the videos are fucking weird. He's, like, jacked. He's massive now. He's <laughs> yeah. all tatted up. And I was like, since when did Danny get, like, a little ginger guy become <laughs> this big... Beefed up, I don't know, and he's like a granddad. Yeah, he's a. Uh, I mean, I'm I mean, fair to play to him though. Like, you know, yeah, if he I had was some, that age and I was that. He had but, some tats when the uh, in the farewell concert for Oingo Boingo, but yeah, I don't yeah. think it was. Uh, it didn't look like he was about to start some shit like he is in that video. <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't want to mess with him. I reckon <laughs> he did that after Sam Raimi like annoyed the fuck out of him on Spider-Man <laughs> 3 or 2 or whatever, and then he was like, yeah. fuck, no one's going to oh. fucking do one over on me again. <laughs> no, it says The Sam. The. The Sam. It's a Simpsons reference. Oh, okay. <laughs> Look, I love The Simpsons, but I do not know it like you do. <laughs> like you have a meme or an image or something at the go for any mm. moment at any time. It's quite impressive. But, um... Die, Bart, die. Sideshow Bob. Okay, I'll get on it. <laughs> Do you remember this? It's one of the most I, famous I, scenes. Which which episode is that one? I'm... When Sideshow Bob's uh, having a parole hearing, and uh, they're like, what about oh, that yeah, tattoo yeah, on yeah. your chest? Doesn't it say, die, Bart, die? No, that's is German that... for the Bart, the. Is that the same episode as when they like they find out that he's he's got the... Is it the one where he's got the small feet and then the long feet, and they realise when he treads on his foot? No, that's the is, first one. Is this is uh, a few seasons later. Yeah, okay. No, I do remember that one, but it's been a long time since I've watched them all. But, um, so yeah, I've watched a few things. I've watched uh, watched a documentary on the Notorious B.I.G. It's called uh, Biggie, i Got a Story to Tell. It's on Netflix. Um, I really don't know much about uh, Biggie Smalls. I, um, I like hip-hop, but I'm not really into that kind of genre of hip-hop i'm more into kind of like laid back chilled out kind of kind of stuff like you know like beastie boys far side uh della soul jurassic five uh main source that kind of stuff 
Um, but yeah, this kind of goes into his life, you know, where he grew up and, you know, he was a, he sold crack on the streets and stuff like that. And then how he got into making music and then his inevitable beef with Tupac. That's kind of dealt with. Um, yeah. And then just talks about his death and, you know, I've definitely seen better documentaries. I mean, a lot of the contributors, what they were talking about felt a little underwhelming. Like they were, things weren't being talked about enough or being unfinished or they were holding back. I don't know. But the one thing I did find quite funny was the fact that um, Biggie Smalls' mom actually thought that the cocaine that he had in his bedroom was dried up mashed potato. <laughs> um, probably talking to the wrong person about it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, this is like me talking to you about Simpsons references. I know. I actually have an interest in Simpsons. <laughs> but, uh, um, but yeah, it's... it's With the hipping and the hopping and the bipping <laughs> and the, the bopping. The they don't know what the jazz is all about. Are we allowed to make um, jokes about him anymore? Uh, I, I, I feel it's a Simpsons joke and not a Cosby joke, so I'm going to go with that. Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'm down with that. Um, I didn't know if he was part of cancel culture, if he was like, if he's cancelled. I think he is. I'm pretty sure he's been cancelled at this point. I noticed though, like I, I don't use Twitter much, but apparently, like he's still somehow tweeting, or someone on his behalf is tweeting for him. It's very weird. Well, um, Roger Avery, um, Tarantino's buddy, uh, he was tweeting from prison for a while until somebody caught him. Is he still in prison? I think he's out now, but there was a period of time when he was tweeting like, uh, "Food's a bit bad again today." Uh, nearly got shivved. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and then suddenly it stopped and uh, the news articles came out saying yeah Avery's been <laughs> reprimanded for tweeting from jail I wonder if he's like been working again in film I think he has, he's, I'm sure he's done something because he keeps Cause... popping up and I'm, I think oh yeah he's out of jail now because like McTiernan never made anything after he came out of jail mm. Um, I don't think so although I'd watch a McTiernan film after Roger Avery <laughs> yes. or before Roger Avery yeah agreed um, um, I'll tell you what I watched this week though I don't know if you've seen it, it's called Ready or Not Yes I have seen that So I guess a quick premise of this film is that a young girl marries into like a wealthy family uh, they own like a board game company and uh, whenever someone marries into this family, uh, the night of the wedding they have to take part in a game and it's like a, a random game they have to pick out of this box and that could be anything from like chess or Monopoly or anything like that and the idea is they have to complete the game before midnight and uh, then this evil curse won't kill the family. Uh, but there's one bad card in the in this box, and that is that you have to play hide-and-seek, where the the new bride or groom has to be murdered before uh, dawn. So, yeah, that's the film, in, like, in a nutshell. And do you know what? I, I really enjoyed it. I did. <laughs> like, um, what's her name? Samantha Weaving? Or uh, Samara Samantha? Weaving. Samara Weaving. She's fantastic. Like, yeah. She she has like a Bruce Campbell like just goes through the shit on that like. <laughs> well, hey. she's in uh, Ash vs Evil Dead. Is she? When yeah, she in the uh, first season, she's one of the hitchhikers um, oh, who get killed she, in the woods, yeah. but then she gets taken into the cabin and basically yeah, tortured she, for the entire last episode. Because she's Australian, isn't she? Or from New yeah, Zealand she's or... Hugo Weaving's niece, I think. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, because she's but, in. She's also in uh, Bill and Ted. Yes, yes, she is. She's. Uh, um, she didn't make much of an impression on me in Bill and Ted, but I thought she was really good in this. And I'm always down for someone wearing a wedding dress covered in <laughs> shit. It's great. Like, you know, there's so many like moments in there where, like, spoilers, I'm just going to go into it. Um, <laughs> like, a little kid, like, shoots her hand, like, 
And then she yeah. falls down a hole and then she's climbing out and there's like a nail and she's like trying to pull herself <laughs> up and be like going, but, um, And yeah. the ending as well. Like they spend the whole film uh, with this curse. Like, <laughs> is it actually real or is it not? And uh, I don't know if we want to spoil that, but it's uh, it's a good ending. Well, it's kind of like a psych out and then not, I don't know. But then mm. there's another bit with um, Andy McDowell as well that, that goes on for quite a while, like, oof, oof, oof. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, definitely worth a watch. Yeah, it was um, it was playing at Fright Fest when uh, we went down to pitch Heads of Poppin'. Um, and if I hadn't have booked a coach to go back immediately after the pitch, I would have hung around for that screening. Right. <laughs> is there going to be a sequel to that? Are they doing any more, or is that...? Uh, I'm not sure. The guys who made it are now doing Scream 5. Is that actually going to be Scream 5, or is it like a reboot of Scream? Or... Uh, I think it's a little from column A, a little from column B. Right, fair enough. Uh, oh, yeah, because they've got they've got, they've got Cops back. back yeah, and uh, Arquette and uh, Nev Campbell, I think, are all in it. Oh, okay. Speaking of heads of popping, you had the, yeah. um, the, the cast and crew... Uh, like screening the other day. You happy yeah, we finally it? finished the motherfucker. Um, <laughs> after all my other appearances, going, yeah, uh, it's still in progress. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's finally done now. And, but mate, uh, I'm I'm really impressed. Like the fact that you've managed to finish that film. Like one, after having a child. Two, <laughs> um, during all this coronavirus stuff, working from home, and all that. You managed yeah. to finish. I'm just super envious of you because I started my film before yours, and mine's nowhere near finished well you've got to be willing to absolutely sack off everything else in your life <laughs> and that's the thing but no were so, you happy with how the screening went do you think you yeah know, everyone you... seemed to like it which uh it's uh, the cast and crew screening is always the most nerve-wracking for me especially yeah. working with uh with actors and people outside of our usual crew where we're all like yeah it'll be fine we'll just do that because uh you well, never to actually impress to... Other pe- yeah, we're all idiots. We're all like, yeah, yeah, yeah so we're exploding heads. It's pretty sweet. It's when people that we don't know can kind of come into the frame. We're like, yeah, are they going to vibe with our? <laughs> yeah. These are professionals. <laughs> yes. Oh yeah, I was impressed with everybody who was involved, uh, yeah. except the DP. But you know, <laughs> he knew fuck all. He didn't know what. <laughs> um, but yeah, everyone brought their A game, and uh, I'm very happy with how it turned out. Yeah. So that's uh, that's actually playing um, in a festival, a pseudo festival, um, as of next week. Um, oh, part of the liftoff sessions. Um, so how can people go about watching that? I don't know yet. Um, they're <laughs> sending the information out this weekend uh, to me. Fair so uh, as soon as I find out, you'll find out. I'll post it on. Uh... Check out Heads Are Popping on Twitter. No, Twitter and Instagram. Are you on Twitter or is it just your own? Yeah, uh, if you go to untamedaggression.com, uh, that's where I'm posting most of the newsy based things. So, okay. Yeah, uh, untamedaggression.com. Cool. It'll be up for a week to to rent. So, oh, to rent? So you can actually rent your film? Yeah, well, it's. Um, you rent. There's a couple of like shorts packages and a feature package, and then you rent the package. Um, and then you can vote on your favourite films, and then they get passed through to another round of uh, this competition. So we'll see how that goes. Also, I was so impressed with the intro sequence, I actually hired the animator you had to do the, uh, <laughs> yeah. the intro sequence. So that's worked out well. Yeah, yeah. He's a good guy. No, he's good. Yeah, he's churning out shots left, right and centre, so that's all good. Oh, you're not actually working on it? 
Yeah, we started. Yeah, yeah, we're like yeah, thirty nice. seconds into it already. Fucking hell. Um, so we are here today to talk about Ishiro Honda's nineteen fifty four Godzilla. ゴジラは北海中の怒りを発した。僕は本当です。もう。わしは気まぐれに言ってるんではないよ。あのゴジラは世界中の学者。誰一人として見ていない。日本だけに現れた貴重な研究資料。しかしですね。だからといってあの
He's like, Akira is really successful. It sold over 7,000 copies. And he's like, 7,000 copies is really <laughs> successful. Jesus Christ. <laughs> but, um, anyway. A bang on impression there. Was... I know. Uncanny. <laughs> <laughs> Did I tell you why I bumped into him once? Uh, I'm not sure. I might be confusing it with Matthew J. Francis' Jonathan Ross story, but continue. Oh, you have to tell me that one. What's that, <laughs> what's that one? Um... I can't remember that either, but oh, he's, right. uh, he, he um, drives past his uh, Halloween party because his parents live near Jonathan Ross's house. So oh, okay. He's been on the periphery. He might have attended one of the parties. We'll have to get him on. I don't remember the finer details. I mean, my story's not that interesting. Like, basically, I'm one of these people who is toilet shy, so I can't go in a urinal. <laughs> I have to go in a cubicle. Mm. And so I was at the Empire Awards, you know, just, you know, just, just drop that in there. And, um, <laughs> so, like, even though there was all these cubicles... F- uh, the reunion's free. I was standing outside a cubicle just waiting for one to open because they're all occupied. And then all of a sudden, this one just burst open and there's just this big cloud of smoke. And I'm not even lying about it. It's just a big cloud of smoke. And then it, as it dissipated, there was standing was Jonathan Ross just looking at me, smoking. He had an e-cigarette, but it was an e-cigar and it was massive and he was just <laughs> like going, puffing on it. And he looked at me and he winked and nodded and that was it. And he walked <laughs> off and I just walked into this cubicle covered in this like strawberry smelling cigar, like <laughs> e-cigarettes, smoke haze or whatever. But, um, anyway. Um, I went to the toilet at Comic-Con and uh, I was waiting for a cubicle um, and uh, the door opened and Chewbacca stepped out. <laughs> How? Oh. Like a a full on screen accurate Chewbacca. How would you go about Getting that on and off to go to, unless it was a number one and he had like a little pouch. Well, I suppose you could hide little pouches under that long hair, couldn't you? I guess. So he goes into the cubicle to use his pouch. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, <laughs> from one costume character to another, let's go back to Godzilla. Ah, well played. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, as I was saying, like I'd go around to my friend Sean's house. We'd watch them. I like. I think there were some of the like the eighties ones. They were definitely in color. I don't know. I remember Mothra being in them and stuff like that. Definitely watched a few like in my twenties when going around to friends' houses while stoned or after a few drinks. But I barely remember anything. I've seen the uh, the nineteen ninety eight version, which is like as we said earlier, is diabolical. Um, then I saw the um, you know the. The, the more recent one by is it Gareth uh, Edwards? Gareth Edwards, yeah, yeah. But like, I haven't seen the sequel to that. I saw Kong Skull Island, which I actually quite like that one. Actually, mm. the Gareth Edwards one, though, I thought, I thought it was okay. Um, but I, I don't know. He's more style of the substance, I think. But yeah, I mean the the human, like a lot of Godzilla films, the humans really let down uh, the Gareth Edward, Edwards one, but the. In terms of capturing the monster action, yeah, it's pretty good. It's yeah, I mean that's he shot that the way that I always thought it should be shot. Um, yeah, which I don't know if you want to get into the the whole style of it now or yeah, we can talk. We about We should it, cover yeah. the first one before we move on to the series. In All general. right, okay. Um, I, I never saw the second one. Um, what was that? King of Monsters. King of the King Monsters? of the Monsters is is a lot of fun. I mean, it's yeah. not a good film by standard metric, <laughs> well, but it's got a fine. fucking banging score. Right. Oh, yeah, because Bear, is it Bear McCreary? Bear McCreary, yeah. He uses a lot of the original themes from the Japanese films, but right. he fucking beefs it up Hollywood style. And uh, and I guess the latest one is out in, what, a few weeks? 
Uh, yeah, the 18th, I think, something like so, that. So, yeah, one could say that this was uh, purposely uh, planned for, you know, that synergy or whatever you want to call it. I don't know. <laughs> Probably not. Um, so, yeah, when did you actually first see the 1954 film then? Um, it was a lot later. Um, I saw the, the ones that they tended to show on TV with the 70s versions, yeah, yeah, yeah. which were... Uh, which were a far cry from the original. Um, be I when love the posters out. to some of those old, those later ones, though. They look weird. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of really great artwork in the whole series, um, including there's one for the American version of Godzilla vs. Megalon, I think, mm. where they've, it came out shortly or around the time of uh, the King Kong remake. Um, so Godzilla and Megalon are fighting on top of the World Trade Center, which in no way happens in the film <laughs> they never leave japan in the film but the poster is one of them on top of each uh, tower uh, which looks amazing but is again doesn't happen they just knock down that same fucking uh, building each time uh, <laughs> they keep rebuilding it, it keeps yeah out. um yeah I, first time i was seeing it when it, when it came out on dvd here with, uh, through um, bfi which would have been right. early noughties i think um, it's weird like you'd think this would be a film series I'd be all over because it involves like rubber suits miniatures do you know what I mean all the things that yeah. I love in film like that kind of like you know handcrafted kind of you know filmmaking yeah it's like, a very physical practical uh, series see my my history with the first film dates back to about half an hour ago when I Watching it and then started the Zoom conversation with you. <laughs> um, but, um, so basically, the genre of film of this is is a tokusatsu, which apparently means special filming. Which I guess that's oh, like, right, you know, yeah. the, like the you know a character like superimposed mm. into like a a real life setting or like a, a miniature with a guy like stomping around. And I yeah, guess I mean a, that's kaiju has kind of overtaken. As the uh, as the descriptive term. Yeah, uh, so kaiju is a subgenre of it, isn't it? Yeah, because kaiju means strange beast. So, like, mm. for example, like uh, I guess Ultraman is considered a tokusatsu, but it's not. Yeah. I guess it's not a kaiju. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I don't really venture outside of the Godzilla franchise for, <laughs> uh, for these like, things. Although I'm tempted in some ways, but uh, it's it's daunting. Yeah, there's a lot, isn't there? Because like, yeah. So it's. Is it to is it Toei who did this or is it to uh, Toho? Toho. Toei's another company though, isn't it? That mm. does like the kind of the same thing. I think they do like the Power Rangers uh, they, um, or Super Sentai and stuff. Can they do Gamera? They may have done that one. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So yeah, they like did Battle Royale as well. Oh yeah, they did, didn't they? Yeah. yeah. That's where I know it from. So um, oh my god. So yeah, the one thing I. That really struck struck me about Godzilla though it's more than like you think it's a B movie but it's a lot more than that mm-hmm. because like it's almost as if Godzilla is like the like a not a personification but like a metaphor for like an atom bomb really isn't he like that's and that's where it started from isn't it it's uh, yeah um, the producer flying over um, either Hiroshima or um... Nagasaki and seeing the destruction Nagasaki, of the yeah. yeah of the um, skyline and thinking well that's where the uh, initial inspiration came from what could have caused this and in a fantastical manner 
Yeah, I've got a quote from him. The theme of the film from the beginning was the terror of the bomb. Mankind had created the bomb, and now nature was going to take revenge on mankind. Yeah. Yeah, nature is a big thing through the series. Is it? Mm. So, like, they in the film, we'll get into it later on, but they say that Godzilla is two million years old. Is that correct? Um, I mean, it's, it's kind of all over the place. It, it depends which film you watch. Uh, what he is and how old he is. So, or is it her? Is it a he or is it her? Uh, I think he's generally considered a he. Oh, is it? Okay. So, oh yeah, Mothra's a girl. Mothra's a she, yeah. She, yeah. So in the first one, what creates Godzilla? Or is he like a, a being that's always been around and it's just the, the bombs have awakened him or something? Like I that? think that's the general thing about the first one is uh, he's awakened by the testing and the bombs right, okay. that are going on Because I think area. they... Tr- because I think they try and allude that it was the Americans that are like awakening. I think that's what they're trying to say, you know. Because obviously, when they bombed Japan, mm. that's what they're saying is it was the Americans. Because apparently, in the the uh, the USA version, which I haven't seen, which you did send me, but I haven't had time to watch, mm. there's like all the mention of like you know, Horoshima and Nagasaki <laughs> are all completely like taken out. Yeah, I don't. Th- they don't really get into the politics in the first one. Um, I think it's, I'm just trying to think. It's been a while since I watched it, but the uh, there's um kind of nuclear explosions at the beginning, but they're all caused by Godzilla, aren't they? The, yeah. Uh, the uh, fishing vessel. Uh, everyone gets irradiated, but um, yeah, I don't think they really get into the uh, the origins in any great detail in the first one. Right. Okay. He's basically awoken by nuclear testing. Um. Because they they talk about it in the film, like um, they talk about how okay, how it's a nation trying to regain its relationship with like other foreign nations and stuff like that. And then you know you've kind of got that scientist who they kind of talk to him about like that he's he worked with the Germans and stuff like that. And yeah. and it's all kind of it's all it's 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 pretty much on the surface. It's not like it's it's not subtext in the film. Yeah, it's not battle royale too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So basically, uh, what was I going to say? So yeah, so Godzilla was kind of like inspired by, I think, I guess King Kong obviously inspired it. Mm, definitely. And, uh, the Ray Harryhausen film, The Beast from 20,000 Fathoms. And then apparently the, I'm going to butcher this, <laughs> Diago uh, Fukuyura Maru, which was a Japanese a tuna fishing boat with a crew of 23 men, which was contaminated by nuclear fallout. On the mm. United States coast, uh, apparently that was like a big inspiration on the film. I guess like obviously the intro with the uh, yeah yeah with the uh, the ship. There's a down. there's a nice little well I say nice. Uh, there's a informative little feature about it on uh, on that BFI DVD that I mentioned. The original title for the monster or the film was going to be um, the giant monster from twenty thousand leagues under the sea. <laughs> I mean they didn't really go you know. From beasts of two thousand twenty thousand fathoms, they went to the giant monster of twenty thousand leagues under the sea. Good one. Then they went to Project G, and the G stood for giant. And then, from what I gather, the name Gor- uh, Godzilla came from the mix of gorilla and whale together. I don't know if that's correct. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. And apparently, like uh, originally, they wanted to have it a stop motion as opposed to like a, a man in a suit. Mm-hmm. But they uh, figured that it would take up to seven years to complete the stop motion. <laughs> there is a couple of stop motion shots in the film, but they're yeah, they're uh, like they're, vehicles, they're pretty rough. Aren't 
Yeah. Uh, but I do love that though. Like you see like mm. some rear pro- rear projection of people driving a car, and then it will yeah. cut to a model shot with like little toy men on the side of the fire <laughs> engine or whatever is it like hurtles into the yeah yeah wall and that. it's pretty cool I, I love that kind of stuff though yeah i mean you've bought into the film at that point oh yeah when, totally uh when the when the dodgy little miniatures come along so you, you can get away with it yeah apparently the suit there was like 220 pounds yeah they used um some sort of mix which you they use for cement um some ingredient that made the suit incredibly heavy like how um, I don't even know how the guy would move in that. Apparently, there's two actors though. With difficulty, one was actually quite old, and barely any of his shots are in it. So why they mm. used an old guy, I have no idea. <laughs> and then the other guy, I think his name was uh, Haru Nakajima, and I, I think he played Godzilla and other monsters until like 1972. Yeah, yeah, he's. Uh, I think he. Didn't play him in one Godzilla film, but really? all the rest of them, yeah, he was uh, quite prolific. Although, the, if you look at the performance in this one and the other Godzilla films, it's uh, it's quite wide ranging. Oh, so he gets a bit more m- movement and stuff like that in yeah. his suits as they go along. Yeah. Yeah. Um, apparently, he could only perform for like three minutes at a time, and uh, he lost twenty pounds of you know, <laughs> twenty pounds during the production. Yeah, well done. So, so, like, I'm fed up of hearing, like, Val Kilmer or whatever the fuck moaning about wearing their Batman suit. Going, <laughs> like, look at this poor guy. Yeah. And then they had, they had that, like, uh, you know, for his rate atomic breath or whatever. Like, yeah, they must mm. have had some sort of rig that went in there mm. to breathe out his, like, uh, his atomic death rate. I don't know, what do you call it? What's it called? I think atomic breath is the is the is general it? preferred uh, term for it, yeah. It's... Uh... It does actually look like breath in this one. It's like an actual physical spray yeah. that comes out. <laughs> but I love the than... effect that they use when it starts to melt stuff. Because I thought, oh, is that like an yeah. ice breath? And then, no, it starts to melt. And I actually quite, I thought it was quite a cool technique, actually, how they did it. There's and a lot of, I mean, to say that we were just uh, shitting on the effects, there's a lot of really cool stuff. I think they're great. Like, yeah. you know, we're talking about 1954. Mm. It's like, you know, it's not like they've got fucking... <laughs> IMAX and whatever the fuck to kind of render CGI special effects, you know. Mm. Um, like the suit does look a little bit goofy at times. Like it definitely looks better at night time. I, I also think it was massively oversized as well. Like it doesn't actually fit the guy. It might have been tailored for the original guy. Right. Um, yeah. So you can kind of see it kind of baggily hanging off his legs <laughs> uh, when he's walking through the city. But. Um, because his eyes look a bit goofy and so, like if it's like a close on like straight on shot, his eyes look a bit like cross eyed and looks a bit I don't know. Yeah, like, I mean, they the, look like you know those those eyes you get from the works, you know, the little bug eyes, yeah. like you know these googly on, eyes. Yeah, googly eyes. They look like that. Yeah, I mean, they never really got the eyes right until like the nineties. <laughs> they all kind of look a bit cartoonish. But like you know, they kind of throughout the film, they kind of it's. Just, it's I wouldn't say it's a slow, but it is kind of a slow reveal. At first, you just see the mm. top of his head, and then gradually you see more of his body. Like he he flails around in the water a lot, like mm. his top half. Like he looks like he can't swim. Like he's trying to <laughs> he's treading water, and he's just like. But like later on in the film, when there's like the full reveal, when I think they kind of like say they're gonna like line the beach with barbed wire and then mm. like put uh, a current through it or whatever. Yeah, but really, it. it's just the the pylons or whatever. Mm. 
But I'd say going back to his atomic breath, though, I love the effect of just before he's about to breathe. They kind of like like animate or rotoscope around his um, his like the his fins. fins on his back. Yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, they did something cool with that um, in the uh, Gareth Edwards one, um, where uh, there's what's his name, terrible actor, Aaron Taylor Johnson. Yeah, that's the one. Uh, he's uh, getting—he's about to be attacked by one of the other monsters, and, and it's completely dusty and uh, foggy around. And then you just hear this, and then you see the fins glowing like one by one, leading up from the bottom of his tail up to his head, and then boom, atomic breath. So I'm guessing Godzilla's gotten bigger over the years. Um, he's kind of. He's meant- yeah, like a lot of things with this franchise, it's kind of all over the place. There's lots of uh, charts available uh, showing you the size of it, uh, in each movie or each era. Because he's the, meant uh, to be 165 feet tall in this, I think. Uh, I think the biggest he's ever been was in the uh, the Netflix movies. Oh, the animated Which, ones? Yeah. Were they any good? They were. They... Um, I'd say they're more anime than Godzilla, if you know what I mean. Like it's yeah. uh, Godzilla's not really a huge part of them. Uh, here we go, Godzilla size comparison. Uh, if it loads up, so yeah, in the original, fifty meters. Um, in the eighties, he was between a hundred, uh, between eighty and a hundred. Uh, and then he drops down to 60 uh, for the Millennium. Okay. <laughs> He's a uh, new man. Yeah. Uh, 108 metres in the Gareth Edwards version. Oh, so uh, he's massive in that version. Yeah, but then in Shin Godzilla, which was the latest Japanese one, 118.5 metres. Oh, that 0.5 is important. <laughs> <laughs> no, we'll have to talk about Shin Godzilla later on. Have you seen that one? No, but I've been meaning to for a long time. Yeah. But... um. So yeah, we'll we'll just get into the actual film. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, the I was so struck by the opening because it's just you know it's just white text on black uh, background, but it gave me goosebumps because the sound of his roar is probably the best thing about the whole film for me. Like, yeah, it is iconic. Apparently, it's the sound of like a leather glove on a double bass. Yeah. Or something um, like that. Yeah, it was uh, the composer who came up with it. Um, I think it might be played backwards as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. apparently they tried to do like, um, like use animal no- noises, but it mm. just didn't work for whatever reason. I am intrigued why, uh, how um, it's described when it's like written in comic books or in uh, memes and things. It's screonk. Screonk. <laughs> yeah, that's how it's spelled. It's okay. raw. Yeah, so the opening music is just rad. And um, yeah, so is that is that used a lot throughout the series then? Um, it's uh, not used in every film. It's uh, kind of like uh, Star Trek, uh, in that Jerry Goldsmith wrote the theme for the first movie, which that was then used in Next Generation. He was the only composer who used it in the films. Whenever he scored it, he used that theme. And it was the same with Godzilla, uh, with Akira Ifukubi. He was generally 
the only one who used it. Right. Um, they had a bunch of composers. <clears throat> um, and he came back to finish off the series. Like, he was in and out through the 70s. Did the last one, and then he retired. And then when they rebooted it in the 80s, uh, they did a couple, and he got so incensed with uh, what they were doing with his music, he uh, came back and unretired so he could score it properly. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So the film kind of kicks off with, like, uh, a ship going like being taken down, basically. And I'm guessing that's the reference to the Diego Fukuyura Maru. I'm, I'm terrible with pronunciations. Yeah, uh, the, I the, mean, I've, the, we probably uh, shouldn't worry about that. Yeah, the fishing boat that went down. And then you, then throughout like the intro, you find out that various ships have gone down because of the ships, I'm guessing, are going to investigate the area and then mm. they start to go down and they start to think, is it mines? Is it a volcano? And then... Uh, there's an island, isn't there? And uh, they they seem to know about Godzilla. Yeah, um, uh, Odu Island, I think it is. Yeah, and then they they have like a almost like a King Kong style. Like mm. they have a tradition where they, I guess, they used to like sacrifice a woman and put her on a raft and float her out for mm-hmm. King Kong to like munch on, I guess. But they, you know, they're a bit more civilized now, and they don't do that. They just kind of like do a little bit of a dance. <laughs> but. Um, the one thing I liked about it, though, the film kind of takes itself quite seriously, doesn't it? Mm, it's it's uh, you know very dour. Yeah, I or mean, if you go in expecting it to be uh, the uh, the Technicolor uh, pro wrestling extravaganza that it became, uh, <laughs> you're going to be incredibly confused. Like I'd say, the the daftest part about it is not even Godzilla. It's probably the the scientist guy who's kind of got like his little laboratory laboratory in his like his cellar and yeah. stuff like that. <laughs> who can make this crazy bomb in his like in his house? I don't know. What's he called? <laughs> the oxygen, eye... oxygen, oxygen killer. destroyer. Destroyer. That's it. Yeah. Um, there's um there's like a helicopter as well because they land on the island, don't they, to kind of investigate mm. this, you know, the, the Godzilla. Because this is where you first see Godzilla like over the hilltop, and you just see yeah. the top of his well, head. Well, first you see when they come in to investigate, you got that uh, huge footprint on the beach. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And they pick up the the. What's it called? The Trilobite. Yes. Where they find out that he's obviously been around longer than, you know. They say two million years because they talk about dinosaurs dying out two million years ago. And you're like thinking, two million years ago? (laughs) It was the 50s. (laughs) Yeah, it's true. Um, But yeah, I think he's meant to be an ancient species that's been reawoken. Yeah. The one thing I love, though, there's a shot later on where you see, like, there's like a, a storm. Which I'm mm. guessing is Godzilla or whatever, but as a you see a, a helicopter on the beach, it's basically like a toy that just kind of like oh, yeah, it just, just kind of flops over. Flops over. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then later on, you see a barge, and uh, I don't think he they do he does anything to the barge. He just kind of pops up out of the water and just kind of dances around a little bit, and then just and goes back again. Mm. Um, oh yeah, the he one does that a lot. He kind of back he's back and forth. He, he doesn't seem to be quite sure about whether he wants to come on land or not. Yeah, he's like, <laughs> it's kind of like yeah, tipping his toes into. <laughs> um, so yeah, the one thing this is this is considered under the Showa era, isn't it? Yes. So like, so that's, but by, by the Showa Empire dynasty. So yeah, I'm not quite. I, I know that they, uh, it kind of loses itself this whole uh, era thing towards the end, like. Uh, the Showa era is accurate, but then it goes into the Heisei era 
uh, later on, and yeah. that apparently throws off completely. Um, but we'll get to that. Because I thought they were all under like different dynasties, but then I, I read that it goes into like, the Millennium Era and stuff, and I was like, well... That's yeah, not... I think that's where it all goes to fuck in terms <laughs> right, of okay, accuracy. Um, the one thing that I liked as well, you know the Doctor who finds, finds the Trilobite? Mm. He is in Rashomon, and he's played by, I'm going to butcher this as well, <laughs> Takashi uh, Shimura, and he's um, in, in... Have you seen Rashomon? Uh, I haven't. It's on my list. It's the first film that we watched in the fifties um, mm. era, and um, he plays the woods. He's kind of like one of the main characters in Rashomon. He's like one of the storytellers in it, who kind of witnesses the all the events unfold, and he plays the wood the woodcutter, I think. But yeah, really good mm. film. Check it out. Yeah, I mean, I've uh, seen all the other like movies and TV shows inspired by Rashomon, but I haven't actually seen the original. Yeah. Um. So then following this, they all now know that Godzilla kind of exists and then they're kind of debating whether or not they should tell the public or not. Mm. And, um, you know, the women are the only saying ones about it. They're like, we should tell people. They deserve to know. And then the man's mm. like, shut up, you. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's, it's kind of crazy that they're all still... Um, I mean, I guess that's Japanese culture. But it's just it, it's the mixture of like the modern with the scientists and things, and then they go back home to their like paper-walled uh, <laughs> yeah. houses and just sit on the floor. But I guess <laughs> yeah. that, is, that still happens today. It's just Probably, strange yeah. seeing it. Um, yeah, I mean, you get more talk of like, you know, people actually like on the bus or the tram or train or whatever talking about, you know, how they actually witnessed like Nagasaki or whatever. So, you mm. know, kind of really dialing in home, you know, this is about like a, a post like, Nuclear Holocaust, Japan, basically. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Um, all these people witnessed nuclear yeah, exactly, holocaust. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's insane, you know. Yeah. Um, and then you see, uh, I don't know, it looks like stock footage, but they're like throwing bombs in the water, obviously to try and bomb mm. Godzilla. They're just throwing them out willy-nilly. And uh, But the, the footage is scratched to fuck, and I just didn't know if it was like stock footage of when they were actually probably testing bombs or something. Yeah, I, I think know. there is a, a bit of stock footage in here. But then um, the the doctor, the, the scientist says that uh, Godzilla is unkillable. Uh, that Godzilla was baptized in the fire of the H bomb and survived. So how do you plan to kill someone that survived that? Do you know what I mean? He's got a point. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and then I've got in my notes there's a dumb romance subplot, which I guess a lot of people complain about in modern. Yeah, ones, I was going to mention that. But like, it's in the very first one, so it's kind of in the DNA of Godzilla to have that kind of mm. in there. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's, it's a, a tragic. Blonde lady or... <laughs> it's the uh, the tragic um, unrequited love uh, element and the the uh, sacrifice for the greater good. Um, well, I mean, the, the one guy, it wasn't unrequited for the one guy. She was just it was the yeah. guy with the uh, the patch on his eye that kind of obviously liked her or something. Yeah, she's what, like, I consider they... him more of a brother. Yeah, I was going to say, weren't they like childhood friends or something? Yeah, something like that. Um. Yeah, they go to visit him for some reason. I can't remember. But he won't give uh, up his he... secret, so he, yeah, she stays there to try and find out what this uh, scientist has been up to. Mm. And uh, he's like, look, let me show you how I kill some fish. <laughs> secret. <laughs> that, um, that music cue, though, when he sets off the bomb in the tank, yeah. and it's just screech, like literally screeching strings. Yeah, it's great, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> um, 
This is where you get, I think, you get your first, like, uh, Godzilla, like, attacking the town scene, I think. Is this where where he's, like, steps in front of the train and he picks it up and, like, eats it and shit? Um, I'm just going to. Or is that later on? Now. I can't remember. But, um. Well, they go back, um, to the family and, uh, yeah, this is where Godzilla is uh, out in the, um, in the harbour and he's starting to come ashore and the uh, yeah the army starts attacking he breaks through and yeah and he steps on the train the um, another nice little uh, effects thing is the the little model planes with the uh, visible strings yeah firing the <laughs> I noticed that yeah, yeah. but again um, it, it's something you buy into there's um there's a line where they're like saying stop shining the light in front of uh, Godzilla because it's like angering him. So I didn't know mm. if that's where in Jurassic Park they took that from. Do you know what I mean? Like as a reference? Because yeah. I, I have no idea if T-Rexes are attracted by light or movement or whatever. I don't think anybody does. I think that's but just like, Michael Crichton bullshit. But I just didn't know if that was taken from Godzilla, you know, the whole shining mm. the light in his face. Kind of like, just kind of angers it or whatever. Um, I noticed there's a load of jump cuts as well, like in certain shots. Like the, the woman will like kind of, she'll be standing up and then all of a sudden she'll be sitting down and mm. Stuff like that. But, um, so yeah, the, uh, the the one of the main characters is asking the like I'm really bad with names, but uh, <laughs> I he's mean, asking he's asking like he wants to marry uh, this the main scientist, the older scientist daughter, and then uh, but they've got they've got a conflict of interest because the one scientist wants to keep Godzilla alive because you know they mm. learn a lot from him, but the other guy goes, no, I think we should kill him. And he's like, get the fuck out of my house. <laughs> um. Yeah, and then I think after that is then is like the main attack where he literally just destroys the whole city. Yeah, which I mean, is that's... just I I was just I'm not, I can imagine in 1954 watching this, you'd just be like, "This is insane." <laughs> like, <laughs> it'd probably be quite scary as well because it's not like you'd seen like a big monster like tearing a yeah, and like the it. black and white really adds to it. Like, well, yeah, I wrote that down. I was like, it makes it even more menacing and bleak. And the fact yeah. that it's kind of shot like a documentary as well. Yeah. Like, I don't know if that was intentional or whatever, but like, I mean, a lot of films around this period just kind of look like documentaries anyway. Yeah, that's true. Uh, depending on the film stock they uh, they used, some of them just like even on the Criterion. Blu-ray, which is extensively remastered, it still looks scratchy. It's not a perfect print. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it really the the black and white really hides like dodgy matting. Um, like yeah, because it's quite stark dodgy, black and yeah. then high contrast light and that. But it just looks it works really well. Mm. Um, I've got a, I've got a note in my uh, note here saying "fuck you clock." And it's just a bit rare. I think he walks up to this giant clock and just fucking picks it up <laughs> and just throws it on the ground. So the scientist with the patch over his eye, when we see him earlier, um, Serizawa, isn't it? Yeah, when we see yeah. him with the uh, the girl, he basically tells her not to tell anybody what what she saw. We don't even know what happened, really, do we? Mm. He cuts away, and basically we find out. That he created a thing called the oxygen just oxygen destroyer, and he puts it in the fish tank, and it basically evaporates the fish or turns them into skeletons, basically, doesn't it? Yeah, it basically destroys all the oxygen in the water yeah. and anything in the water. Yeah. So God knows, like, how far that reaches out. Do you know what I mean? Like, because later, yeah, on that's not really addressed. They put it in the water. <laughs> Does it just kill everything in the water, like the whole ocean or what? I don't know. 
Um, well, yeah, that was an, another Smodcast thing, like when you electrocute, uh, if someone gets electrocuted in the ocean, does the whole ocean get electrocuted? Yeah, it's it true, just a yeah. little part of the ocean that you're in? These are the mysteries of life. Yeah, it's like in uh, Batman Begins, like there's a there's this device that kind of sucks all the water out of, like evaporates all the water out of things, mm. so everything turns to steam, but because humans are, are made out of, like, what would be, like, 90-odd percent water yeah. on like, nothing happens to us, but surely we'd be turned into, like, puddles of mush. I don't know. <laughs> um, so where are we at now? Uh, yeah, but I well, like this, how this the This point, sci- the military get involved. Well, I like how the scientist, he kind of, like, has a real, like, crisis of, like, you know, I you know, I shouldn't have created this, like, monstrosity. Yeah, he's definitely destroyed. conflicted. And it's, like, how I feel about all the films that I make, because I'm like, why did I make this? <laughs> I can imagine you thrashing around yeah. the room, head in hands, going, oh, God! So, yeah, he, he basically... Because this oxygen destroyer, like, if it gets in the wrong hands, could, like, it could be worse than the H-bomb, basically. Mm. Or so he says. And so he's like, you know, even if I destroy all my papers, all my work, it's still in my hair, it's still in my brain. And so you, you know instantly what, what's going to happen to him now, at that mm. point. Um, but yeah, this ending though, because it's like it's not a. You'd think the ending would be on the streets, like that's how he'd go down. Mm. But like, no man, they they really they they basically he's like, asleep in the water. Yeah. <laughs> and I love that shot where he's kind of like he's tucked up and he kind of like looks over his shoulder, going, "Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what do like, you think you do?" I really like it because like, you've got the score and then you've kind of got yeah, the bubbly it's... sound of the water but no other sounds. Mm. And it just kind of creates this really interesting mood. I don't know. It's it's really interesting. Yeah, like, the whole thing is incredibly downbeat for a giant yeah. monster movie. Um, and yeah, like I was saying, a lot of people don't expect that going into it. They're looking for goofy monster fun. Well, do you remember, have you ever seen Host? You know, the um, the Korean monster film. Yeah. That's kind of like that, isn't it? Kind of like it kind of... That's a bit different, though, in the fact that I think it shows you a load of monster up front, and then as the film progresses, it gets less and less and less. Yeah, although that does have a a pretty big sense of humour through the whole thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, true. (laughs) Um, But I was just trying to say, like, it has... I don't want to say it has an anticlimactic ending, because it's not an anticlimactic ending, but it's it's not like a bombastic ending, is it? Yeah, I mean, it's it's very centred on the family. Yeah, but I mean, I'm talking about Godzilla as well. Oh, right, yeah. Like, it kind of... It's not triumphant in the slightest. Yeah, and then just before that, you've kind of got this choir going, mm. like all these kids singing. Yeah, it's And you've got like all this imagery requiem. of people who are, like, injured after, like, being, uh, you know, after Godzilla. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely, like, Hiroshima, Nagasaki imagery yeah. right there. I mean, that could literally be stock footage. Never mind well, like, all the, you, the military stuff. You have a... a uh, a woman with her daughter saying, "You know, we'll be with daddy soon." You're like, yeah, fuck. it's <laughs> fucking dark as hell. Yeah, and then you you've got this imagery. It's, it almost looks like Terminator, where you see like the whole barren city, like just on mm. like like it's just threads of a, what was once a city and stuff like that. It looks incredible. Mm. Um, but yeah, going back to like now, they're going to kill Godzilla, and they're going to release this um, the oxygen destroyer in the water, and um, like it's just. Yeah, it's just it's quite sad, really. Yeah. It's quite heartbreaking, and like he like comes back up to the surface, and then he sinks back down, and then all of a sudden you just see like the skeletons of 
Godzilla and yeah. like the scientist with the eye patch who you know was scared that people will know about his creation he takes his invention with him he's just yeah he's, I think that they pay tribute the to that in in the uh, in the latest in King of the Monsters the uh, the last one that came out um in fact they do use the oxygen destroyer in the in the King of the Monsters oh, okay but um there is also like a scientist sacrificing himself um because he breaks the uh, automatic function on the uh, device, so he has to go down with it. But like, I absolutely love this film, and I, I'm again like I'm constantly kicking myself watching these films that me and Liam have been watching because like mm. they're films I should have watched years and years and years ago. And why haven't I not watched them? Because you know they would have influenced me even greater. Like, yeah, do you know what I mean? But um, yeah, it's a five out of five film for me. This film, but. Uh, Absolutely, yeah. It's uh, it's just it's so what you wouldn't expect. Yeah. Uh, the, at this point in time, the one of the reasons why I wanted you, wanted to do this with you as well is because you've have you actually seen all the Godzilla films? Uh, I have. Yeah. <laughs> well, how many? Thirty three? Did you say? Yeah, thirty. I think thirty three at this point. Um, is that including the American ones as well? I think it is. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a while since I've watched them. Um. um but yeah, there's about 30 in the Japanese uh, franchise, and then there's three American versions. So I'm going to pick your brain now, and you're going to tell me all oh, about... Oh, no, sorry, there's four now, isn't there? It's 32 Japanese okay. films. So I'm going to pick your brain now, and you're going to tell me all about Godzilla. So, um, all right. All right, so Godzilla dies at the end of this. So how mm-hmm. does Godzilla come back then for the sequel? Um, I don't think they go into it a great deal. Uh, it's just like, there's another one. <laughs> oh, okay, fair enough. So is it meant to be a different one? Because I don't know yeah. how much the continuity is meant to... Uh, it's, uh, the continuity is... I mean, it depends on which era you're in. Um, there's a vague semblance of continuity through the, the Showa era. Yeah. Um, so uh, I can't remember how he... Uh, comes back in the second one i think he's just there because um, godzilla versus king kong is quite early on isn't it that was the next one uh that was the third film uh the first oh, one really? so quite yeah. so it's so that actually kind of makes sense with how we are now with the american ones there's two mm. so that's quite that's quite interesting actually um but there's also like not a remake of godzilla but there's an americanized version isn't there where they yeah got... that that came out the same year as uh Actually, no, it came out the year after. Um, first Godzilla is 54. Yeah. Um, Godzilla Raids again, which is the second one, that was 55. Uh, and then in 56, um, it came out in America. Um, and they they uh, Americanized it, I think is the description um, that they're using, where it's not just dubbed uh, and recut. They've um, actually shot new footage uh, to insert into the film. Um, so, so the original Japanese actors are still in there as well. Yeah, but they weren't involved with the American versions. So yeah, but their basically... characters are still intact in that version yeah, as well. Yeah, but now um, Raymond Burr is there, Perry Mason himself, <laughs> uh, as a reporter who's been sent to Japan. Um, so he kind of... The scenes with the Japanese actors occur, and then they cut to a shot of Raymond Burr walking into the corner of the room and watching the scene play out. <laughs> and then at the end of the scene... Uh, he's not there when they create the oxygen destroyer, are they, and stuff like that? I don't think he's there for that. Although he may be there when they're just talking about it later. Um, 
Who's yeah, that man in the of, corner? <laughs> yeah. So they just keep cutting to him uh, standing on the periphery of all the other scenes. And then occasionally uh, he'll talk to a body double um, and they'll just hold on the back of the Japanese <laughs> actor's head for a very long time whilst the new dialogue is uh, is said. Um, Am but, I correct in thinking they brought him back? They for... did, yeah. That's another thing. But um, I, I will say about this one, it's respectfully done like a lot of these films are just a lot of these distributors at the time would just treat it as goofy shit which is what they did to yeah. the original king kong versus godzilla they americanized that as well and inserted all sorts of american bullshit um but this one they they treated it with respect they kept the same music they didn't replace that they kept the same downbeat tone and uh, all the they don't get into specifics but they kept all the kind of um nuclear imagery all the post blast imagery type stuff yeah um and yeah when they did the reboot in the 80s was that the um, 85 one or yeah yeah it's, it's in japan it's called uh return of godzilla so is that actually a a sequel to this the first film then is yes that, that ignores be? all the other films uh and it's just a sequel to the original 54 version okay Originally, um, it was bought by Roger Corman, um, and he was going to do um, a What's Up Tiger Lily on it. So he was going to take the footage and dub comedy dialogue over the top of it. And it was actually uh, Raymond Burr who said, uh, no, fuck this, you're going to treat it properly. Get me uh, back in the corner of each room. (laughs) Yeah. No, they don't even send him to Japan in that one. It's been years. It hasn't been released um, on DVD. Um, Oh, so it's not even on the sets you've got or anything like that? No, um... It's, uh, I think Toho actually control it, um, and I don't think they're too enthused to have it out there. Okay. Um, but that I did see that on video. But yeah, he's the American military for some reason call him in when it appears that Godzilla has come back to watch everything from a big screen in a military installation and commentate over it. Oh, okay. um, so yeah, that's it's not as bad as it could have been, but it's not too great. That version, uh, the Japanese one is a lot better. Um, so, in the in like the late fifties, sixties, and seventies, what was what were the state of Godzilla films like then? Then, uh, well, the second one kind of continues. Although the second one spends a lot of time searching. There's a missing pilot, I think, and it spends a lot of time watching miniatures flying around, and then cut to a pilot looking out the window. And then cut back to the miniatures for a long time. It's only like a 65-minute movie, but there's a lot right. of padding in it. At and, what point uh, did they become colour? Uh, God- um, King Kong vs. Godzilla is the next one, uh, which right. isn't for a few years. It's like uh, 62 or 63, I think. Okay. By the time that one comes out. Uh, but yeah, in uh, Godzilla Raids again, they did an interesting technique. I don't know if it's intentional or not, but the monster fight footage is sped up. Okay. Um, you think they'd slow it down to kind of show well, the weight of it? I don't know. Like I think that was the idea. Uh, I saw an explanation somewhere that somebody misheard or miscommunicated about um, <laughs> increasing like the frame rate, which would result in slow motion footage. So yeah. they increased the uh, the speed oh, no. of the final footage. <laughs> um but yeah, it's it works in some shots. It kind of gives it this kind of animalistic kind of ferocity where it, it looks like two monsters or two animals like having a fucking go at each other. 
Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's not really convincing for these 80-meter titans. I'm guessing that was the first time we saw a, a King Kong in a suit then, I guess, wasn't it? Cause... Well, this uh, this is uh, the second one, so it was... Oh, second, uh, sorry. Baragon, I think, was the uh, was the monster in that one. I wish they actually had another monster in the second one. Yeah, yeah. So had Godzilla become a hero now in the second one? No, not yet. He's still a bad guy. Um, okay. Uh, and then uh, he gets trapped in ice uh, at the end of the film. Uh, oh, no, actually, I'm wrong. Sorry. He, uh, That's where he emerges from in this one. He's trapped in the ice. Oh, okay. Um, so this is a second Godzilla then? Yes. After, after the one that died in the first one, got you okay. Yeah. Interesting. Um, yeah, and then a few years later, he comes back in uh, King Kong versus Godzilla. So, at what point does uh, Godzilla like jump the shark then and kind of become kind of the more kind of? Well, in terms of um, it becoming incredibly campy, yeah, uh, we're we're there now. <laughs> King Kong versus Godzilla. Oh right, okay, just yeah, okay. Fair Apparently, enough. at this point. Um, Wrestling was really huge in Japan, and that's oh, what they okay. kind of modelled the uh, the fighting style of the monsters. So lots of picking things up and over the head. And yeah, I mean, I would say King Kong versus Godzilla is the goofiest um, at that point, because at that point, after that, it uh, kind of course corrects a bit. The, mon- the fights are still kind of a bit goofy with, um, uh, like, his, his two-footed monsters. Uh, like So the next one is Mothra versus Godzilla. Right. Okay. So that's uh, that's a bit weirder. Uh, the fights aren't quite as uh, as funny looking. Has uh, Mothra then... ever had her own films? Yeah, Mothra uh, was its own film. Um, oh, and then before... was brought into Godzilla. Yeah, I have ah, seen Mothra. Okay. That's really good <clears throat> as well with the uh, with the tw- tiny little uh, fairies um, communicating with Mothra and singing their little songs. Okay, uh, intrigued. Uh, yeah, it's a uh, it's a lot more like family friendly, okay, uh, than the original Godzilla, um, but it is entertaining. Um, and then you, Ghidorah comes into the picture because because Mothra is a, a good good. Yeah, Mothra has always been a good good girl. Uh, that good sounds character. really yeah, weird. <laughs> good character. It's a good character. Yeah. Um, at this point, um, I'd say he starts becoming a hero after Mothra versus Godzilla. Okay. Because then it starts introducing worse monsters like Ghidorah. And where does like then... Mecha Godzilla fit into it? That's uh, Mecha Godzilla doesn't come in until like the seventies. That's like oh, one okay. of the last films. Um, yeah, they did back to back Godzilla versus Godzilla, uh, Mecha Godzilla, and then uh, Terror of Mecha Godzilla. Um, yeah, the later seventies ones are weird in that they're increasingly getting more kiddified. Um, but it seems like they got some criticism about it being kiddified, so they try and up the gore. Oh, okay. So there's uh, one of them, uh, All Monsters Attack, is uh, about this kid who's been bullied, and um, he uh, like fantasizes about being on Monster Island and making friends with uh, Godzilla's son, who's a little prick. Uh, but So you've got this heartwarming story of a bullied child uh, coming to terms with himself alongside like Megalon cutting somebody's face off and blood spurting. It's, they get really weird at that point. 
Do you remember that film from like the late 90s? Is it Deep Rising with Treat Williams or whatever it's called? Yeah, I haven't seen it, but Appar- I'm aware have of you it. Not, I think you'll like that. But apparently, yeah. they land on an island at the end of that, and apparently that's meant to be Monster Island. <laughs> so I don't know whether he was hoping that he'd get to do Godzilla or mm. something like that. Or I don't know if it, it's either Skull Island or Monster Island. It was one of the, I'm pretty sure it's Monster Island. Mm. But yeah. Um, so then, so then, what happens in the 80s then? Um, after Terror of Mechagodzilla, which was 75, I think, um, they said that was the last one. And then in the 80s, they decided, no, no, it's not. <laughs> um, so they rebooted it and did a direct sequel to the first one. Right. Um, and they tried to keep the dark tone. Um, it is kind of a remake in itself, but it's, the effects are a lot better. Um, but it does try and keep that downbeat tone of the first one. So is that uh, one worth a watch, you'd say, yeah? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I think that's my favourite period, is this uh, 80s, 90s. Okay. Um, Here's I, or High Sai era. Um, I've got strong memories of seeing those, like, uh, those video covers from the 80s and 90s ones where they've kind of got motto with these, like, bright coloured wings and stuff like that. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah, like these... yeah, those posters are fucking amazing for yeah, the his eye era. Um, but yeah, it's... Uh, again, Godzilla dies at the end of that one, but then is mysteriously brought back. Uh, this this series does have a, a good proper... monster down. Yeah, yeah, this is true. Um, but this... Uh, there is some continuity with this series uh, from film to film. Um, there's characters that reappear throughout. Um, I believe there's a, a psychic character who um, I don't know if it's like specifically communicating but has a kind of link with Godzilla and kind of preempt his moves and um, oh, Godzilla's okay. son makes her an appearance again but the, oh, initially yeah, I forgot Godzilla had a child or something. yeah uh, initially they, they try and make it more real and actually look like Godzilla and then he reverts back to his cartoonish prickish phase for another film and then reverts back to another more realistic phase for the last appearance um but the effects in in this series um are mostly practical um and a lot more spectacular than the uh in the 70s ones um they do a lot more matting with live action footage like in the 60s and 70s it was basically miniature shot or live action shot and there was nothing yeah they didn't really attempt to mat them together that much maybe a shot of a crowd at the bottom of the frame but they didn't really get any more ambitious than that i was watching a making of terminator 2 the other day um Hmm. and like i didn't realize how many of those shots were like rear projections of like models with the actors in the foreground it's like so impressive like some of the things yeah i watched um I watched a bit of Aliens um, on on Sky the other day, and I was looking out for it. Um, like all the shots outside the facility uh, are all rear projection, but mm. yeah, Cameron just worked out. You keep the camera moving, you don't really tell that it's rear projection. The problem with rear projection yeah, is they yeah. keep the camera f- completely static, and then Stacy, there's some yeah, slight yeah. slight uh, misalignment with the projection. Then there you go, you can tell, but. Because I'm pretty sure they did some of that on the original King Kong. I have a feeling they projected. I don't know, like the stop motion. With the yeah, actors. they um, the jungle scenes. There's like yeah. uh, 
a bunch of projection because Austin Wells reused it for uh, Citizen Kane, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so where does like Final Wars and all that kind of come into it then? That's uh, so there's the eighties one, Heiser, which goes from eighty four to uh, ninety five, um, which again Godzilla dies at the end of it. Um, and then they didn't wait as long to reboot it this time. This is the Millennium one, which starts uh, with Godzilla 2000. Um, and this one, each film is a sequel to the first one, like to the 54 version that ignores every other film. So you've got Godzilla <laughs> 2000, which is a sequel to Godzilla 54. Right. Then the next one is Godzilla vs. Megagyrus, which is a sequel to Godzilla 54 and doesn't address <laughs> Godzilla 2000 at all. All right, okay. Yeah, it's a weird, weird strategy. Um, and there's, there's no CGI in it. It's still a guy in a suit. Uh, there's, yeah, it's still still uh, uh, suit motion. Um, they, are, they might use CGI to finesse stuff or for um, smaller creatures um, in the Millennium Era. Uh, they didn't really get into... There's a bit of it in Heiser, um, but not a lot. But it's all mainly about juicing up shots. They're not any CGI creatures. Apart from Final Wars, which has the uh, Roland Emmerich Godzilla in it. Oh, okay. Because I read yeah. that apparently with the newer ones, at the moment, to- Toei, yeah? No, Toho. Toho, yeah. Can't make a Godzilla film in Japan until they've finished with Legendary yes. finished making there. So I didn't know back in the 90s when they were doing the Roland Emmerich one, if they weren't allowed to make anything while that was in production and stuff like that. It's, I think that might be the, same, the case, yeah, because that's the uh, last one of the Heizai era uh, was 95, and then Godzilla, the Roland Emmerich one, was 98. Because I know uh, they I think... hate, hated the design, didn't they? Of, But then apparently because it was so shit, because <laughs> yeah, it, it was so shit, they were like, ah, we're not worried about it now because it's... Pretty much not even Godzilla. It's yeah, Godzilla I think by name only. Well, I think that's why they didn't wait that long to reboot it. They were like, "Well, fuck this, we can do better than that." So that's when Godzilla 2000 came in, and uh, they didn't address it directly. Oh no, actually, they do address it in Godzilla 2000. There's a meeting, um, this military meeting, and uh, they're talking about Godzilla, and uh, these two guys at the back are talking amongst themselves and they go I thought the, that was Godzilla in New York uh, last year and like oh, no, that, the Americans thought it was Godzilla but it wasn't really <laughs> um, but they don't address it again until uh, Godzilla Final Wars is he like just going around like fighting loads of monsters and yeah that? it's basically just like a, a Godzilla game um, apparently the direct I was watching it thinking this is goofy shit like it was in the 70s and uh, apparently that was the director's intention. He f- he felt like it was more fun in the 70s when well, they were I doing all the wrestling things. That's probably what he grew up watching was those yeah. ones. So he probably that's what he kind of leaned into. But yeah, um, it is legitimately funny to uh, see Godzilla destroying uh, the American Godzilla. So is that ones. the last Is that the last one up until Shin Godzilla then? Uh, yes. Um, yeah, I don't think there was anything happening American or uh, Japanese after that. So... Shin Godzilla is kind of its own thing, isn't it, really? Yeah, I mean, it was a weird choice if they knew the Americans were going to be doing their own, uh, why they would just make one film and then let the Americans take over. Uh, but Shin Godzilla is amazing. It might be my favourite 
So yeah, I'm definitely going to watch this one. But like, I've heard that he's got different forms in it and stuff like that. Yeah, he's kind of mutating through the whole thing. Um, he starts off as this uh, weird kind of tentacle fishy thing that just hangs out in the in the river, um, boiling the water. And then eventually he moves on land and he's this weird googly-eyed like fish slug thing that just wanders around the sea and every so often he just kind of mutates into his next form and where the first one was based on the nuclear holocaust this one is more based on um uh like fukushima and um the uh tsunami that happened yeah yeah. when when did that film come out uh 2016 oh i thought it was uh, before that so yeah that makes sense yeah um and that's um so that was made after the Gareth Edwards one then. Yeah. It's, so maybe because uh, it's its own thing cause it's called Shin Godzilla. Maybe there's like there's a a get out clause with that then and they can kind of do something different then. Yeah, it's I'm not sure what the details are, but I, I know that at this point they can't make any more live action, so they've been making a lot of animated stuff. Uh because I know that they're doing Shin Ultraman, so I don't know if Shin is kind of like becoming its own series, like they'll do kind of like a a modern or updated retake on a different kind of kaiju kind of yeah. series. I think it, it's uh, it's also known as Godzilla Resurgence. Oh, okay. Um, I don't know. What, I can't remember what Shin actually means. Um, Shin means uh, true, extend, or new. So it could be true Godzilla or new Godzilla. Extend Godzilla would be a weird title. (laughs) 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 So yeah, are you excited for the new film? Uh, Yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, I've not. I don't have huge hopes for the American ones. Uh, I don't think they're going to come anywhere close to Shin Godzilla. Um, They're basically more in more in line with the seventies versions, I think. um, Yeah. Than anything else. Um, but that doesn't mean they're not fun to watch. Are you going to uh, purchase it or rent it when it comes out? Because it's going to be one of those HBO Max ones, isn't it? Yeah, um, I don't know. I guess we'll see what the price is and whether I can get two hours to actually watch it oh, on yeah. the TV. With child. Oh, yeah, on the yeah. TV. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I guess you don't want to watch a Godzilla film on you, your MacBook or whatever. It's not ideal. Uh, I try to watch everything on as big a screen as possible if it's the first time I'm watching it but after that it's all good so is this the last American film? Um, in theory yeah I mean that's what they've been trying to that's what they've all been building towards isn't it Godzilla vs Kong yeah I don't understand how they're going to work it because I I liked the King Kong one but there's no way he's big enough to fight uh, Godzilla so they must have sized him up yeah they made a point of saying he was just like a, a teenager or something in Skull Island oh, okay. which was like set in the 70s wasn't it? Oh yeah it was in the 70s wasn't it? I forgot about that Yeah. Oh. Right anyway I think we've blabbed on enough about Godzilla so uh, <laughs> I'll let you uh, to enjoy the rest of your day but um, yeah everybody don't forget to kind of check out um, Heads of Poppin when it's up to rental or whatever it is on this festival. Check out uh, yeah, untamedaggression.com yeah. for, for all your Heads are popping needs. Um, where else can people find you on the interwebs? Uh, well, the heads are popping dot com is the uh, is the direct website. Uh, you'll find all the media clips and uh, photos and everything from the film there. 
uh, and I'm on Twitter and uh, Facebook and all that shit. All the links are on. I heard you're on OnlyFans as well now. Uh, I'm setting that up now. It's going to be fucking sweet. <laughs> what you, how much are you going to price it out at a month? Uh, well, we've got to judge the material first, and then I can come up with a tier scheme. Awesome. I can't wait for that. Yeah. All the links are on uh, on tendigression.com. Great. <laughs> right. So anyway, thanks a lot for filling in. Uh, it's been Not fun a problem. talking Godzilla with you. Aye. And uh, yeah, we'll see you back it for the 80s, and I think you're going to be covering... Altered, um, states? altered states, I think we said. Yeah, yeah. looking forward to that. Yeah, the spoiler for one of the films we're talking about in the uh, in the eighties. Yeah, it's another one that's uh, been on my list for a long time, but uh, uh, haven't quite pulled the trigger. Uh, well, you get to pull that trigger now on your love gun, so yeah. <laughs> I don't know what I'm, I don't even know what I'm talking about now. Anyway, <laughs> uh, don't forget, everybody, you can uh, reach out to us on Twitter. We are at Adjust Your Track. That's with a YR, not a your. Uh, yeah, you can uh, please rate, review, and subscribe on whatever you listen to us on. It'd be that uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, Stitcher, YouTube, wherever you find podcasts, we're there. Um, yeah, and don't forget if the picture's bad, always adjust your tracking.